Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today on Sasquatch the Legend podcast. As always, my name is Mike, and I'll be your host for today's episode. We have a very special episode today. Before we get into this, I just want to let you all know about our website, SasquatchTheLegend.com. On SasquatchTheLegend.com, you'll find a lot of very useful information about everything Sasquatch. We have event calendars that shows every event that's coming up in your area. We also have a place where you can report your sightings. And if you don't want to write it down on our website, you can always call us and leave a voicemail at 334-689-5351. Or you can email us at submityourstory at sasquatchthelegend.com. Every email you send us will be reviewed by me and we might just feature you on an episode so please feel free to contact us we'd love to hear from our listeners and it'll make me very excited to read some feedback and anything that you'd like to email us so again visit us at sasquatchlegend.com and I'm sure you'll find what you're looking for also I'm very excited to announce that we're opening a storefront, a Sasquatch the Legend storefront in Forks, Washington. The address is 80 North Forks Ave, and we're actually hiring full-time positions right now for a store manager and a store associate. So just go ahead and go on SasquatchTheLegend.com and apply there if you're interested. Also on the website, we have all type of merchandise. We have everything from clothes to books, posters, toys, stationaries, and even jewelry. So please feel free to look on there and I'm sure you'll find something that you're interested and it'll look really good on you as well. So again, SasquatchTheLegend.com for everything Sasquatch. Now let's get on to this episode. Today is actually a very special episode. Because this is a beginning to a new series that I've been working on and putting a lot of research into. And this new series is actually titled The History of Sasquatch. In this series, I'll be discussing what made Sasquatch the legend that it is today. I'll be covering most of the events that were documented throughout time regarding the origin of Sasquatch all the way into current events regarding Sasquatch himself. And that's very exciting, especially because, as I mentioned in the previous episode, I'm not necessarily an expert when it does come to Sasquatch. I'm very interested in the lore and just Sasquatch itself, as well as other cryptids, but I'm not what you would call an expert. And I do have a lot of work to do in regards to that, and I feel like a lot of other people could relate to that. So I'll be doing the work for all of you. So stay tuned and I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two about Sasquatch. I'm actually very, very shocked about a lot of the stuff that I found in my research. And I'm looking forward to sharing it with you all. So yeah, stay tuned for more episodes and let's get right into this first one. So for this first episode... I think it's fair to say that it's only right that we start off at the staple of all Sasquatch films ever recorded. And it was actually one of the first where it showed 
Sasquatch in full motion and a full body capture. And I'm talking about the Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967. But before that film, Sasquatch was actually known among several indigenous North American tribes and was actually reported in American newspapers as sightings as early as the late 1800s, but obviously no footage was available until this film. And in 1958, a man by the name of Gerald Crewe photographed large footprints that were found near a construction site that measured 2 feet long and 8 inches wide. And that's actually where the name Bigfoot originated from. But it was often dismissed as a hoax and claimed to be created by one of the brothers of a construction member at the time. So fast forwarding from 1958 to 1967, men by the names of Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin took a camera and went on horseback through Bluff Creek, California. Patterson had developed an interest in the mythical creature and wanted to produce films and write books about it. He had reportedly developed an interest in Sasquatch a few years prior to this and wanted to prove to the world that Sasquatch actually existed. So around midday, their horses started to become flustered and a strange smell began to fill the air. The two men then spotted a large hairy creature walking on two legs about 100 feet away from them. Patterson quickly pulled out his 16mm Kodak camera and started filming the large creature walking. And the result is the shocking footage that we can all see today and that I'm pretty sure mostly everyone has seen this at some point in time. Like it's a very, very common video and probably one of the best videos ever taken of Sasquatch to this day. And it's actually shocking to me that the video quality of the Patterson-Gimlin film is just about as good as any quality video I've seen of a cryptid being recorded like in today's era where we have these high-tech iPhones and everyone has like a movie quality camera at their fingertips, which is pretty shocking to me. And at this time, it was actually really shocking to a lot of people. And at first glimpse, many people thought that the footage was simply one of the most elaborate pranks in all of history. But many others, including credible researchers, believe that this is one of the most compelling pieces of Sasquatch evidence to this day. And of course, many people were skeptical about this film and were public about it. Also, people were public about being a part of the film and even went as far as to claim that they were the people who made the suit for the film itself. Which brings me to a man named Philip Morris, who actually was the person who claimed that he created the gorilla costume for the video. And what's interesting about Philip Morris's claim is that he waited until 2002 to publicly come out and give his statement. He claimed that the reason why he waited so long to confess was because he felt that it would be disreputable and would harm his business. 
and he also claimed that he had shipped it to Patterson for the prank. And he claimed that after receiving the costume, Patterson gave him a call, wondering how he could make the shoulders more massive and arms appear longer. Mr. Morris suggested whoever wore the costume should wear football shoulder pads and hold sticks in the hands while wearing the suit. A lot of analysts actually believe that the film is not a hoax due to the unique gait that the creature possesses while walking through the rocks. But Morris actually contributed that the irregular movement of the creature filmed was because of the suit and it was hard to move while wearing it. Philip Morris provided no evidence that the business transaction had ever taken place, which is very odd to say the least. And another man, by the name of Bob Hieronymus, actually claimed that he was the man that wore the suit in the film. He claimed that he didn't want to speak out initially because he was actually hoping to get paid from all the money that Patterson made by taking it on a nationwide tour. Hieronymus believed that if he had spoken out earlier, he would face legal action and ultimately wouldn't see no money in his effort. His mother actually claimed to have seen the ape suit in his car two days after the film was shot in 1967. And a longtime friend of his says that he revealed the hoax in 1968 or 1969, but he didn't believe him. And another longtime friend of his claimed that he actually was shown the suit by Hieronymus. But again, they were all told by Hieronymus not to say one word because he was expecting some type of money out of it. And it's actually pretty interesting what came out of this. I did a lot of research on Hieronymus's claims, and I found a few disputes that went against his narrative. Hieronymus actually claimed that the suit was made from horse hide and was heavy and had a very bad smell to it. However, Morris, the man who made the suit, or at least claimed to make the suit, stated that the suit was made of dynal, which is a lightweight synthetic material which had little to no odor. Hieronymus also described the suit having no metal pieces and an upper torso part that was like putting on a t-shirt. Morris made a one-piece union suit with one metal zipper on the back, which again doesn't match up to both of their claims. And lastly, Hieronymus described the suit as having hands and feet that were attached to the arms and legs. And Morris claims that he made a suit where the hands and feet were separate pieces put on like shoes and gloves. Many skeptics believe that Patterson ultimately modified the suit. But again, there are no receipts or anything left behind that might prove that it was purchased and if it was even a suit to begin with. So there's no actual proof that any of this even happened, and the claims can very well be absolutely fabricated. Upon finding this in my research, I try to stray away from simple man-made testimonials that contradict each other. 
So I looked deeper into analyzers of the footage itself. I wanted to find some real professionals who did the work and actually came to real life conclusions as to if it can be real or fake. And it actually turns out that there are many people who are credible that have come out to attempt to publicly disprove and prove the video to be fake or real. And among the people is Dr. Jeffrey Maldrum, who's a professor of anatomy and anthropology at Idaho State University. He believes that the muscular stature of the creature filmed was way too precise to be replicated, especially in the time of 1967. And the point of interest that he keyed in on was actually the quadricep muscle, which appeared to have a lump on it that looks like some sort of tear or ripple in the muscle, which is highly, highly difficult to be replicated in any type of suit in 1967. Besides Dr. Maldrum, Planet of the Apes costume designer John Chambers, who actually won an Academy Award for the film's costume design in 1969, claimed, quote, if this is a suit, it is the finest ever devised, for it was beyond our capabilities in 1960. Every hair would have had to have been individually attached to the model. And if you were to actually go and watch the Planet of the Apes film from the late 1960s, the costume design isn't bad at all, considering the time that the film was actually made. Nowadays, of course, everything is computer generated, so it looks more realistic. But it does look a little silly if you go back and watch it right now. But if you watch the Patterson-Gimlin film right now, you can still get a feeling of what you're watching isn't just a person in a suit. Following the release of the Patterson-Gimlin film, Roger Patterson actually took the film on a nationwide tour and showed it in theaters across the nation for a small fee. He spent all the money that he made from the viewings on equipment and other means necessary to be able to find Bigfoot until he unfortunately passed away in 1972. But till that day, he was persistent that what he filmed was definitely not a hoax. And as for Bob Giblin, he actually received tons of ridicule and mockery after the film was released. Everywhere he went, he was faced with mockery, and it also affected his wife at work. And after around 35 years, he finally attended a conference in California where he told the story about what happened on that day in 1967. When he finished the story, he was surprised by an enthusiastic standing ovation and finally felt good about telling his story to a crowd that didn't automatically write him off as a liar. He then started going to Bigfoot conferences often to tell his story, to give interviews, and to sign autographs. And he was sort of a celebrity in all the Sasquatch community and remains so today. I feel like this whole Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967 is very interesting and probably one of the most interesting 
cases of Sasquatch evidence simply because it was filmed in 1967. And that's a really long time for debunkers and skeptics to come out and actually find legitimate evidence as to why this isn't an authentic video of something, some large creature. And I feel like it shouldn't be ignored. But at the same time, it should be very much taken care of carefully so that nothing can like dilute what it actually is, which is a video of a very large creature walking extremely uniquely in unforgiving terrain at a weird pace. And I feel like that should very least be considered a good find because these videos are rare. It's very rare for a Sasquatch to even be pictured on video or simple pictures of Sasquatch with trail cameras are hard enough to capture. So when you have something like this, like this compelling, you have to take it special like you have to take it as a special thing a special occurrence because they really don't come around often and for people to just write it off as a fake right off the bat is unfair because it's gonna happen that way with any type of evidence i'm sure if you you can have a 4k video of a sasquatch walking right up to a camera and still, people will find a way to treat it as a fake. Skeptics are skeptical about pretty much everything. And I feel like a video of this magnitude should definitely be taken carefully and should be considered very widely. And I'd like to know if there's any more progress towards like the validity of this video or if anyone has any other information, please feel free to reach out. I'll be very, very pleased to see what we get and any ideas from you and anything that I can learn more, please reach out to us. I'll be more than happy to read and take my time with you guys and even possibly feature it on the next episode, thoughts of this one. I think that would be a cool thing to do. But yeah, um, I'm very interested in hearing your feedback. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Facebook at Sasquatch the Legend. Even like I said, visit us on SasquatchTheLegend.com and leave some feedback on there. Um, report your sighting or your experience if you have had one. And that's going to do it for the first episode of the history of Sasquatch here on Sasquatch the Legend podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And if you liked it, like I said, please leave a review. It's a very good way to support the podcast and it's free and it's very much appreciated. Thank you all very much. See you next time.